Wait, we're allowed to breathe during choir practice? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, oh. um, that joke was good. Joke was good. You know what else is good? That we're on another episode of Screen Fix, where we will fix a film and also give you a little bit of movie news. Uh, with me, as always, are my co-hosts. Say hello to everyone, Katie the Lady One. Hi. And say hello to everyone, the Mystery Mustachio Go. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. So, uh, let's just get started. Uh, Lady One, why don't you tell us a little bit about your weekend? Did you do anything film-related, TV-related? Or maybe you gave uh, a dog a neuter. I don't know. Is that what it's called? A neuter? Uh, a neuter. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't do them. Uh, so anyway, just tell us what you did. I have a confession to make, and I needed to make it like on oh, air. Boy. Uh-oh. I have been listening nonstop to the soundtrack from The Greatest Showman. <laughs> oh I'm so sorry. I'm in goodness. love with it. It's It makes me so happy. It makes you happy. <laughs> The exploitation of people with <sighs> disabilities, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, or the one beer yeah. tear drink uh, song. <laughs> oh man! Okay, so hold on. So oh. when you're listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, what is the song that really that brings you the most feel, the biggest uh, feel? Well, okay, so it's all of them, but <laughs> so well, I don't all of them. Just basically, sound like like Katy Perry. No. Didn't we just beat that no. soundtrack up last we, week? No, we beat the movie up. The soundtrack stands on its own. <laughs> <laughs> so The Greatest Show is like really fun, dives you in, super pumped up. Um, and then I'm like, meh, until we get to um, The Other Side, which is the song that Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman sing back and forth together. And it's so good. And like, I wish I could see them dancing on my phone while I'm listening to it on my phone because it's so good. Yeah, and... and- we did agree that that was the best song on the whole thing. It's so good. And then I get to Never Enough and I just turn that shit up and I sing along so mm. loud. <laughs> like, oh, I kind of love it. Where? Did you do this in your car? Yeah. Where, 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 in my car. Where were you when you were blasting in, this? In, in my car. car. I was working from home on Friday and I was listening with my headphones on and then my ears started to hurt and I unplugged it. And uh, Mr. Lady One heard me and came out and just looked at me like, no. You're so disappointed in me. And I was like, I'm sorry. I love this soundtrack. You were the greatest chauffeur. <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. I feel much better now. And the mustache. Where did you twirl that thing this weekend? Did you do anything film, TV related? Or did you just wax that stash? You let me know. That what, almost got what, weird. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, the, this, this, this stash has been sitting inside of a movie theater for many hours lately. I've seen what we're going to talk about tonight, and then also uh, I got to see Hostiles, and Ooh. yeah, and Ooh, I, Tanya, Ladybird. What, what have I not seen? I've just been like living at the theater. Like this reminds me of my days back when I used to work at the movie theater. Hey, it's true. I saw The Post. I saw Molly's Game. I've been moving it up as well. <laughs> Good. So you saw those movies. Anything else unique going on with you this weekend? I can't define myself outside of all the movies that I've seen. <laughs> I mean, the the mustache and the movies and um, maybe the occasional checking on Bruce the cat, making sure that he's he's good. That's Aww. that's that's what I got. You have now moved to just using uh, movie theater butter to wax the tips of that oh, mustache. Oh yeah, only the finest. I I ask him the finest say, of say, movie theater don't, don't skimp on the butter now. <laughs> They're like, sir, you're going to have to apply this yourself. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Uh, awesome. I would just like to say, Greg, that the Twitter account Mustache and Movies exists. Um, get on that. Ooh. It's open. It's available. And I think it's you. Well, okay. I've already got my ideas for my spinoff podcast. and it's Wait, you're spinning <laughs> off already? You son of a bitch. You're nothing without me and the lady one. You're nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's go ahead and dive into our first piece of movie news. Perhaps the biggest piece of news. Oh my God. Captain Marvel's outfit. Photo leak. It's teal. Twitter explodes. Mm. Did we all see it? How do we feel about it? I made the comment. It takes place in the 90s. Teal was huge in the 90s. Totally. 
when I was a kid, we had a teal couch. My room was teal. Teal couch. So some of these people that are complaining about the color, they just don't get the 90s. They don't get the teal feels. It was all about teal. Mm -hmm. So anyway, what do you think about the photo that landed? (laughs) Go ahead, Lady One. As soon as I saw the picture, I knew that uh, I had seen that color combination before. That is a geo tracker combination if I've ever seen it. (laughs) And I went to like make sure I wasn't just remembering it that way. And literally the first image you get on Google when you search for geo tracker is the same colors as her suit. So yeah, you know, we put that together. Um, That's out there for your viewing pleasure. But yeah, it's so super 90s. And I'm down. Like, let's do this. For 90s, yeah. Is this a Transformers movie, perhaps? <laughs> no, I mean, the that teal tracker, I feel like her suit, like her Cree suit should have like the pastel stripe down the side. Just Yeah, just like the squiggle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So the teal makes this movie super 90s. All she needs now is a gun that shoots beanie babies. <laughs> and there needs to be... Uh, uh, Joey Lawrence standing on the side in the crowd just going, whoa, as our cameo. Whoa. It's, it's, and, so it's going to take uh, place in the 90s. The entire movie just needs to have the soundtrack done by Smash Mouth. And <laughs> no, please. I thought we were talking about like, good 90s. ideas. <laughs> no, like, come on. Let's let's have her like flying around as like a young Carol Danvers listening to a Discman while singing, hey, uh, what's going on? Like, Make her like a four non-blondes <laughs> big fan. Yeah, she's got to be cooler than listening to Smash Mouth. She, well, yeah. I mean, I was just saying. Yeah. But anyway, on a more serious note, so yes, the suit had green, and yes, the Marvel's suit, who is the Cree that is involved in her getting her powers, his suit was green. It was certainly not teal. It was super green. Marvel likes to include those kind of like throwbacks to the comic book history, the comic book lore. Mm-hmm. So I understand why it's green. This is obviously her pre-suit pre-cree you know before this is her pre-pre-suit before she gets the you know the the proto-cree suit red and blue the more the red and blue suit that 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 we all know they did make it teal which i think is bold and wonderful i like it and nine and 90s to the max (laughs) to the max (laughs) look at that totally oh my god (laughs) so Anyway, I am still excited for this movie. Are you movie. stoked? I totally stoked <laughs> for this. This movie's going to be the bomb, yes. and I'm sure afterwards I'm going to be getting jiggy in the in the aisles. <laughs> so, are you also excited? Based on this picture, has it lessened or has it heightened your anticipation for Captain Marvel, Katie Lady One? I mean, the photo still had Brie Larson in it. So, yes, I'm still on board. Like, they didn't take her out of the suit. She's not going to mess this up, right? She's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Mustachio. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Carol Danvers is going to outshine, like, a lot of other characters in the MCU. We understand her to be, like, the most powerful one. So it, it makes sense that she's going to have her standalone kind of timeline, at least for like this world building that takes place during the 90s, which is off of the timeline of what we currently know to be 616 style stuff. She's going to be great. And we're, we're going to have like a powerful character in her that's going to be ass kicking. She's going to be uh, hopefully quirky. Uh, I love I love like a good quirky female superhero. I know that's usually seen with like the wasp or something but ho- hopefully brie larson can can bring some quirk okay let's hope she brings quirk <laughs> <laughs> just flat out brings Quote, the quirk the mustache don't know what the mustache just said but he likes the quirk uh, okay i don't know what's going on anymore uh so <laughs> i don't know what just happened all right so let's move on to uh, something that had captivated me all week you were very busy. Is, I was very busy. That was this that was this Dundee movie. Hashtag Dundee. Hashtag Dundee movie. And they even paid to get the little hat to yeah. appear on Twitter. How much does that cost? When, I, I don't know, right? And then there's some things that I expect to have it that don't, like Black Panther. I'm like, where's the Panther? Hmm. There's, there's not. But Dundee movie <laughs> gets gets a little at this video drop, and it was Danny McBride as the son of Mick Dundee, and 
it's like what what is this this is garbage and then a, another <laughs> clip another clip dropped and it was chris hemsworth yeah. as the son of wally oh son of wally and now i'm like oh okay the son of wally from crocodile okay Daddy. so is that like, this is, is that pretty like cool. um the the hefty guy that's friends with him is like mick croik like is that Wally? I mean, that's what all of them sound like. But yeah. no, no. Uh, Wa- Wally was his older friend that wore kind of like this, the the khaki shorts. Yeah. And had the neck uh, yeah. handkerchief. Okay. Or what, what is that called? Okay. The neck. The neck rag. Do you know? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's the one who takes. Right. Like he stays in Australia, and whenever Mick comes back, he's always glad to see him. Yeah. Whenever I mean, there's only two movies. <laughs> But Greg I mean, is inferring it, it, based on what he saw that this is oh, constantly yeah. oh, happening. Oh, okay, okay, Come okay, on, okay, man. Okay. You got to make this seem like because, it's a franchise universe. As far as we know, he had never gone anywhere. <laughs> right. So New York was his first trip. Yes. And then, of course, in Crocodile Dundee, he goes from New York back to Australia. And then, of course, there's Crocodile Dundee 3, oh, which yeah, is Crocodile Dundee, where he goes to L.A. So as far as we know, he's only ever been to New York and L.A. <laughs> yeah. All of these times, Wally's welcomed him back is twice <laughs> yeah so they got an actual australian to portray wally's son okay. yes i re-watched crocodile dundee re- recently because really? uh my girlfriend right now has some significant pop culture gaps uh-huh okay and i'm trying to fill i mean i've got tons of pop culture gaps too especially from like 2000 to like 2010 <laughs> that's just a decade i don't know what i was doing during that decade but i'm i'm lost so anyway did you so, watch Lost? I'm, that happened then. No, no. What? Oh my god. I'm trying to fill in some some gaps from like maybe the late 80s and 85 to like you know maybe 95 or something like that. It's kind of a big gap. We watched Crocodile Dundee again, and there's so many things in there that you could not no. do now. No, mm-mm. it does not hold up. No, a lot of it would be construed as offensive now, mm-hmm. and. It's like if you go back and try watching, like, I actually did this recently. I, I went back and tried to watch Ace Ventura, the first one. Ooh, that does not work. Ooh, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> it's bad news bears, man. Oh, I grew it's up with not that good. film. It's oh, not it's good. precious like, to me. That one, when, when you go back, you go, ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ooh. Uh, the world was a different place. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Oof. Tough stuff. So anyway, this Dundee movie, then there was yet another clip that came out Mm -hmm. and it was Hugh Jackman, right? So it's like a who's who of Australian actors so far. (laughs) So the two. No. Right. Right. Two. Right. Right. I mean, no, there's more than that. There's more than that. Where's Nicole Kidman? Russell Crowe. Eric Bana. Oh, Poida. Naomi Watts. Keith Urban. He's a singer. Carl Urban. Wait, I think he's Kiwi. You think he's a Kiwi? Actually, Russell Crowe was actually born in New Zealand, but lived most of his life in Australia. Nicole Kidman was born in America, so we're going to excuse birthplaces and go with accents. Right. Okay. Just <laughs> the criteria now is your where is your accent from? Okay. I started to get excited and I started to do some research because everybody was like, this isn't real. And I'm like, all right, I need I need to look this up. So I looked at the IMDb, so I was doing my research, and I found that the cinematographer that is listed on IMDb is the cinematographer of Master and Commander. Mm, That's fancy. So I'm like, wow, that's a major cinematographer. But the director was the director of a PBS documentary about the real Jersey Shore. And I was like, that's interesting. So I was like, maybe this is still real. And then I went and I looked into the the website for the movie and the production company that is producing it is Rimfire. And Rimfire is the same company that produced Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2. And I was like, okay, so everything seems on the up and up right now. But then come to find out there was an Australian publication that went ahead and outed the whole thing as a tourism publicity stunt. And these are all commercials that are co- going to come out during the uh, Super Bowl. And I was sad. I was sad about it. Mm-hmm. So, so we've got Danny McBride, obviously not Australian, but we've got Chris Hemsworth. We've got Hugh Jackman. Over under. Who's next? Who's your bet on for who's going to be next on the uh, the Dundee Australian tourism train? 
Lady Wan. We definitely need to have another Hemsworth, right? Can oh, we yeah. have them all? Yeah, I want all so of them. So Liam, Liam's next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have him in All there. right, so for you, it's Liam. Mustachio, who is next? What's the guy's name that plays Loki? <laughs> Tom Hiddleston? He's British. He's British? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, he's a bad guy. That's how you know. Okay. From Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> he's an Asgardian. <laughs> an Asgardian bogan. <laughs> Second to Paul Hogan. Is going to be Eric Bana. Uh, Eric Bana. Poida. Yeah. He's, I love him. He's the man. When I lived in Tokyo, I had some friends. I had a lot of friends that were from Australia. And one of them talked about how funny it was that Eric Bana was a big star in Hollywood. Yeah. And like a serious dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because <laughs> apparently in Australia. Yes. He played like a dumb guy on a, on, on a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, like on their version of SNL, he was super funny and goofy, and I call him Poida because yes. that was like he was Poida. Yeah, like, right. He was like this con- this comedic actor. Now he's playing Hector in Troy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, what what Danny Mc Danny McBride would be for us, like we consider him a comic relief, like you know, kind of a trashy, you know. Idiot, idiot character that he does so well. Would that be equatable, comparable? If he were to go to Australia and suddenly be some kind of dramatic warrior, <laughs> Eric Bana is kind of like in shape and halfway handsome. No, he is handsome. Confirmed. Right. Whereas Danny McBride is not in shape <laughs> or halfway handsome. So, yes, it would be a bit it of a stretch, probably. Be, but... Our next piece of news. Uh, the Incredibles 2 is vast approaching, and we do have casting details for that. Uh, do you want to dive into that one, Lady Wan? Sure. The thing that I'm most excited about with, with the casting they announced was Bob Odenkirk, because who doesn't love Bob Odenkirk, oh, yeah. right? Everybody on And board? he's got such a great voice. Yeah, he's yes. got such a fantastic yeah. voice, too. Oh, he's so great. So um, he is our villain, Winston. I wonder if it's Devore or Dever. I like Devore. And it's sister is Catherine Keener um and oh. and now I totally buy her as a villain because I've seen Get Out Get Out yeah. <laughs> John Ratzenberger what about him uh John Ratzenberger will be in this he is the actor who has been a voice in every Pixar film mm-hmm. yeah so they 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 will find a place for John well, Ratzenberger I mean they they have the place so they set him up to be the, like uh the villain in the last one who needs like a hero to fight at the very end of Incredibles 1 he plays the underminer, you know, and, but something tells me he's only going to be in it for a little while because they can set it up for someone else to be the main villain like Bob Odenkirk and Catherine Keener. He just needs to keep that streak alive. He's still sitting around waiting for the phone call for the Cheers revival. Aww. He's like, they're doing it for Roseanne. I mean, nothing is impossible right now. Bob Odenkirk is great. Is there anyone else in there that would perk interest? Who is uh, uh, Sophia Bush? What about Elastigirl? No, no. Who's Holly Hunter, who? my girl. Oh, no. Oh, come on. Mustachio. I can't believe y'all forgot about my girl. Do we need to have some kind of talk with you? <laughs> or is this, like, this is, listen, is this healthy? How deep does this go? How deep is your love? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to say uh, the, the roots run deep on this one. Um, and it only heightened it when y'all did like perfect Holly Hunter impressions last time talking about Maverick. <laughs> I mean, that right there, I-, I felt like she was in the room with me. You wish somewhere deep down that you were Holly Hunter's prey. Mm. To be- Oh, to be the hunted. Wow. All right. And uh, <laughs> I'm done. We're going to move on to our next bit of news here. Steven Spielberg, he's going to be making Indiana Jones five since it's in disney's hands that it's not going to go the way four did and also we all know that uh shia labeouf is probably not going to be involved um but r.i.p after that it said that he is going to be doing a west side story remake yes let's do it what are our thoughts on steven spielberg doing a west side story remake utter confusion but excitement like what really okay he likes the movie I mean, that's putting it lightly. He loves this movie and has been wanting to do this probably forever. So that's the kind of passion project that can either go horribly wrong or really, really great. 
and um, it's Steven Spielberg, so odds are in favor of really, really great. Uh, do you have any thoughts on it, Mustache? Uh, I don't know much about West Side Story. I mean, is that like the sharks versus the, the fish? Jets, yes. Or something? Okay, jets. Yeah. No, the sharks and the j- sharks versus fish wouldn't be much of a competition at all. <laughs> You're right. I, I mean, I was thinking Jaws, but I was like, he's already done that one. But is sharks versus jets much of a competition? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so. Spielberg, does he have a musical in him? I've seen him direct what could be musical numbers. I think so. One thing that comes to mind is a brilliantly staged musical and insane fight scene, and it was from the movie 1941. Ooh, nice. During a USO performance. It's magnificent, yeah. and it's magnificently staged. Uh, but, of course, that's one of his early, early films. Yeah, and it so was not taken well. Does he have... I mean, the last thing I saw of his is uh, The Post, mm-hmm. and I wasn't seeing any West Side Story in there. Well, there's a lot of handheld camera work that he does. Right. No, I I think his handheld camera work lends itself nicely to what could be done with this. Yeah. It doesn't have to all be sound stages and wide shots. He also does a lot of blown out lights. But yeah, it. I'm fine with it. I don't think there's anything that he can't do. I it, I think it's it's odd. He, he tends to stay in... I mean, the post broke out from this, but he tends to stay in in the 40s in like World War II time, which made me wonder if he was doing like West Berlin side story. <laughs> but... <laughs> He's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but obviously, you know, he's going to go into the 50s. I don't know if I've seen West Side Story is what, 50s, 60s? Yeah, what? early 60s. Yeah. So I think I'm going to see Spielberg break into uh, a time period that I haven't quite seen from him yet. And I'm kind of excited there about you go. that. A, a decade of that you've been lost on. And I trust his competency with it musicals are big right now i feel like uh, a musical i'm gonna go ahead and say it right now another oscar nom for directing totally. west side story next year i'm looking at the casting call for this west side story and um ah. so first of all if you are interested go ahead and send your email <laughs> and a photo and video of yourself singing to west side story casting search at gmail.com even spielberg's on google the the most important thing about that is um, they are specifically indicating in the casting call that Maria, Anita, and Bernardo need to be Latino or Latina. Like, it has to be. It is in there. It is written out. Like, sorry, Natalie Wood, RIP. But <laughs> no more white people <laughs> playing people of color. And, and it's specifically spelled out from the get-go. So that is very encouraging to see. Did you say sorry, Natalie Wood? Yeah. Yeah, West Side Story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She played Maria, and um, yeah, she's dead now. <laughs> I don't know anything. So, oh, oh, you get down a, a Google wormhole and you find out what might have happened to Natalie Wood. I have no comment on that one. <laughs> None. <laughs> Please, this interview is over. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Wasn't Natalie Wood killed on a on a on a boat? Yeah, she drowned. Yeah, it's it's a it's a rough story. Under sketchy circumstances, Screen Fix just became a conspiracy pod. <laughs> Next time, uh, just kidding. We're gonna move on. We're gonna we're gonna fix a film, and I'll tell you what. We went with another film that is has made gobs of cash this year, and is a third film. Completing a trilogy that nobody asked for. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> it has made over $100 million in the theater. It is the third film in its trilogy. It closes it out, hopefully. It is Pitch Perfect 3. And it wasn't my idea. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> listen, it's kind of a, a dry time. For movies January you know a lot of good stuff comes in, out in December that's fine you know we've fixed Jumanji and whatnot we had a we had a whole bonus episode for Last Jedi January's rough there's a lot of good stuff coming out in February you know Greatest Showman was a good one Pitch Perfect 3 what's funny is the three the three that we've done recently Jumanji Pitch Perfect 3 and Greatest Showman all came out the same week mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so 
We've been fixing a bunch of movies that came out in the same week. We are going to fix Pitch Perfect 3, which is a difficult fix because Pitch Perfect 3 is already self-aware. It's already (laughs) a... It's already making fun of itself. It already knows what it is. It's not trying to pretend like it's something that it's not. I had fun watching it i really did like it made me laugh more than i thought it was going to this might have been the funny movie from 2017 i laughed i did laugh i don't know if if you you guys are kind of looking at me like i'm a nuts i laughed (laughs) there were like two or three times that i remember laughing out loud three three or four i laughed maybe 10 times which is more than i can say about almost any yes i did oh my god i did i'm immature I'm 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 immature. Yikes! Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but I, I I laughed plenty in this uh, this movie. Yes, from beginning to end, I was laughing. I liked everything Rebel Wilson did, and I'm not gonna apologize for it. No, I'm just not. You wouldn't ask for that. <laughs> but anyway, I liked it for what it was. However, like all movies, we can fix it and make it better, a little bit better. And we don't fix them because we hate them. We don't fix them because we think films are are garbage. We're just not going to sit here and complain about movies. We fix them because we love them. (laughs) That's why we even fix movies we like. And we fix them because we just like talking about movies. Here at Screen Fix. So here we go. Pitch Perfect 3. What was the plot? Katie Lady Wan, do the whole thing. Ready? (laughs) What was the plot of this movie? Go. Fuck you guys. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I get to edit that out. So no big deal. Okay. Nah, keep it. You got to keep that that explicit rating. Yeah. Like you already made us earn it. (laughs) Oh. So keep it. Yes. You're the reason why... My friend, why my friend Bob, who I have to give a shout out to Bob. Hi, Bob. He is actually. Hey, Bob. You're the reason why Bob's <laughs> little beautiful son Sumner cannot he listen. listen. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, everybody. Anyway. But anyway, the, fucking continue. The plot of Pitch Perfect Three. The main one, because there are subplots, but the main plot galore is <laughs> there's there's so much shit in this movie. So the main plot is the Bellas that we have known and loved through the first two movies are all out of college in the real world. And guess what? The real world sucks. It is not as fun as being in a competitive acapella singing group at a liberal arts college. So, (laughs) it's just not. Um, And we're seeing little flashes of all the Bellas' shitty day-to-day lives. Um, And so they get the group back together and go on tour with the USO that is also a competition to see who's going to open for DJ Khaled on his TV special. That's it. That's the main plot. <laughs> they think they get invited to a Bella's reunion, but it's not a Bella's reunion. They just get invited to watch the new Bella's led by Haley Steinfeld, who's Emily. Haley Steinfeld is an actress who they thought was going to be the it actress. When they got her for this series, and now they're saddled with her. No, she still could be. Are you talking about Maddie Ross? Yeah, he is. He's talking about your girl. Oh, yeah. I love her in True Grit. She was big after True Grit, has not done much of note since. But she's somehow in this Pitch Perfect She's had a a big song, at least one. She's making her money. You don't know what the 21-year-olds are doing, do you? No. (laughs) She's, like, on the radio. She's on the radio yes! singing what? Uh, most Girls. I think her song is Most Girls. Most Girls. So she's a recording artist. And an actress. Now. Yeah. Like how how they, uh, how all the Disney people do. So she got her big break in True Grit mm-hmm. and then went full Diz. Because she, she was still pretty young. Yeah. She's only 21 right now. So oh she God. was like 15 or 14 in True Grit. So yeah, you are absolutely right. She still has time to become... <laughs> The she it ain't washed up yet. I rescind <laughs> all things. They think they're going to be, they're there for a reunion. They're not. The Bellas are led by Emily, a.k.a. Haley Steinfeld, a.k.a. someone who still has a ton of potential and time <laughs> left and is a huge recording artist. And I did not know because I'm an old curmudgeon. They're kind of, when the, when the Bellas are all together, they're kind of like lamenting their station in life. And then one of them, the character Aubrey, played by Anna Camp, uh, has a father who can get them into a USO show competition where the winner will 
open for DJ Khaled or something like that. So there's that, yada yada, they decide to do it. They go to Spain and there are a few subplots going on. One of them is Rebel Wilson's uh, dad has appeared out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, He hasn't been a part of her life for a long time. The girl that got us over there in the first place, played by Anna Camp, uh, her dad does not show up. There are a few love interests. Anna Kendrick has a love interest, potentially, with a music producer who works for Khaled. The weird Asian girl has a love interest with one of the other groups that is competing in this USO competition. Chloe, played by Brittany Snow, has a love interest of a guy who is a uh, military guy, one of the people that greets them at the airport when they arrive. And this all continues, and of course... The Bellas are kind of in over their heads. Uh, The other bands have instruments. They don't have instruments. Pile on top of that, the fact that Elizabeth Banks' character and the character John are filming a documentary about the Bellas and their lives after their fame as the Bellas. And it all culminates in Anna Kendrick's character getting offered the spot the winning spot opening for dj khaled and the the rest the bella's not and the rest of the other bands not and also rebel wilson's father turns out to be a criminal who is just using her for her offshore bank account in the caymans and those are our main few subplots and The movie ends with the Bellas telling Anna Kendrick to go for it, and she goes for it, and she performs at the end, but she brings them all on stage for whatever reason, and that's the end of the movie. And then all of our major subplots are solved by the end credits, and that's your Pitch Perfect 3. So that is the plot, and before we just say what we did not like, let's go ahead and say a few things that we did like about Pitch Perfect 3. I'm going to give you the floor first. Katie the Lady one. Go ahead. Probably to no surprise, I like the soundtrack. <laughs> Is this one going to replace Greatest Showman? No, no. Or- I I tried. I was like, oh, let me see if I like this more. And I gave it like one listen. And I was like, give me back, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. This one, like I'll get to this later. But like this is just... I mean, I don't know what kind of music nerd you have to be to like this, and I'm one of them, but I don't know. I, it's There's got to be a time and a place to listen to just other people sing Britney Spears songs. Yeah. And, and this just, movie has no cups. No, no. And this movie could have really used the cups. Yeah, they like knocked it out of her hand right away when she even just like brought it up. And I was like, no, Chloe was onto the right thing. They should have done cups. Performances are good. The music is fun to listen to it's um if if you like listening to people sing acapella music and um yeah uh i do then <laughs> then you're gonna like listening to the soundtrack it's they're good songs they're catchy there's a couple mashups but not as much as um you know like maybe glee used to do um but but yeah the songs are really good and um there's a couple good jokes i didn't laugh as much as you did jc there's there's some good jokes there all right, and Mustachio, was there any good in this film? Yeah, I, I really liked Anna Kendrick and her role. She was, you know, funny. I do love her. Stunning, captivating. She was kind of quirky a little bit with her responses um, to the, yeah, as Lady One called him, the English uh, Adam Scott. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I yes, also... Uh, her love interest is totally... Just British Adam Scott, for sure. Lower pay grade Adam Scott. And, and and so also hey, uh, Haley Steinfeld, uh, I really like her. I felt mm-hmm. like I was kind of watching her like get bashed on by by Rebel Wilson's character. <laughs> she's constantly I mean, oh, yeah. insulting. Yeah, her. she's constantly like I felt like that was funny because she takes it, she takes the punches. You know, little Maddie Wilson just handles it. I laughed about three or four times. I, I wanted to laugh ten times, but I mean, some of them some of them weren't landing. I will say one of my favorite lines of the film was you know the never moist. <laughs> Oh, yeah, when she said that that her grandma, she's, okay, so there's this this group in the movie called Evermoist. It was was well put. And Rebel Wilson says that her grandma has a group called Nevermoist. (laughs) That's pretty indicative of the humor throughout the whole thing. So I liked the new Bellas. 
when they did their song at the aquarium at the beginning of the movie, the yeah. the girls who are still in college, including Emily, they're they're the Barden Bellas. The rest of the girls are just Bellas because they're not in school anymore. So I liked when the Barden Bellas did their performance. If I'm gonna be like real like basic here, I liked their outfits. I liked their glittery shoes that matched their glittery ensembles. So I really liked their outfits, <laughs> but I liked all the jokes that like the Bellas were making during that time. <laughs> Like, just, like, feeling so old. And they're only supposed to be, you know, they've been out of school, I think it's, like, five or six years. And it's it's nice to acknowledge that you don't have to be, like, 40-plus years old to be, like, <laughs> feeling sad and, like, how you're the old kind of version of the new hotness. You're like, no. Like, they're young. Like, they're, <laughs> they even say in the movie, they're like, they're pushing 30 and already washed up. Like, it's it's kind of nice to see that acknowledge that that is actually a feeling you go through. <laughs> uh, there's a sense of dread before every decade milestone birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I'm approaching one. No, what? Weird. Did y'all have any personal favorites out of the the girl group? Oh well, for me, just for comedy purposes, Rebel Wilson was was the reason to watch this movie they just kind of let her go nuts like from her one woman wrecking crew at the end on her father's yacht anna kendrick fine i think anna kendrick is wonderful i think she's an unlikely star she seems like somebody who could very easily be someone at the bar down the street so she has that kind of like you know this is somebody who's like me quality rebel wilson is a comedy star like she's she's something different she's a larger than life presence kind of (laughs) if i'm gonna just kind of jump in here the things that i liked was i really Mm -hmm. liked the humor i laughed more than my co-hosts i laughed a ton (laughs) during this thing the humor was crass it was crude and it was good and i very much enjoyed it i did enjoy some of the songs whenever they broke out into a new song i wasn't like "Ugh, here we go again it was good we went over the things that we liked hold on would you say that we all enjoyed the film did you enjoy watching it mustachio yeah I mean, it's it's hard to say just because I, I wanted to get, uh, get up and walk out a couple of times. But once I got past that kind of male driven, stupid feeling oh, I was God. getting like this image of myself, like, oh, I'm not going to relate to a movie like this or or I'm not enjoying these sequences. Once I got past that. Yes, I did enjoy it. Yes. Uh, did you enjoy it, Lady One? Um, not really. I'm going to be honest. It just made me like want to watch the second one again. Ooh, I enjoyed it for what it was. thought it was supposed to give me some easy entertainment. I thought it, it did that. I liked it for what it knew that it was. But that said, every movie needs a fix. This one is, I believe you have the information, Lady Wan. How did this one perform as far as yes. audience and Rotten Tomatoes? This movie made $102 million domestic, uh-huh. $77 million foreign, Oh, wow. And its budget was only $45 million, so congrats. Yeah. This is yeah. a hit. And how were the reviews, the ratings? So it's not looking great. It was 31% rotten on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience score was only 51%. So that's pretty dicey right there. Well, the audience voted with their wallets because this thing has made $200 million worldwide and i think this the the series as a whole has made a lot of money worldwide it's a lucrative series and we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna attempt to fix this and how about our first fix do you have one to start us off with yeah jc so when you mentioned that you were kind of paying attention to the fact that their competition a riff-off style kind of thing was going in a direction of like no now you're adults I felt like the way that this could have gone on was the pettiness of the riff-off and the high school musical-esque rules. It becomes clear with competitors that they don't really care about the rules. Okay, so let's let's give this fix a slight bit of background. When the Bellas first arrive on the military base, they are not accepted uh, at all by the other participants in the competition which is a group called ever moist and then there's a like mumford's mumford and sons ish group and then there is a dj group saddle up is the country 
yeah kind of people and the other ones are young sparrow and dj dragon nuts yeah <laughs> young sparrow <laughs> DJ dragon nuts and ever moist and then the yeah. bellas show up and they propose a good old-fashioned riff off so I was a little confused on why there was they were recruiting instrument-driven musicians to compete with this acapella vocalist kind of group. What was the point of letting the Bellas battle with bands that have like instrumental talent? Let's let the bands play more and possibly show how making mistakes with the instruments or faulty equipment can make them seem less qualified as an opening act. These girls that could have come together as an acapella group, I felt like the Bellas, they don't really bring with them the typical greediness of like a band ego. So maybe it can show how these musicians or these girls go up against this other competition and they they went out over that okay okay so after you have the the riff off you, you you kind of set up these bands as the instrumentalists they're going against the bellas maybe they could have you know some equipment faulty stuff maybe it shows how they're not as good of musicians with their instruments as the bellas are together maybe it shows how the bellas come together to actually compete against these others and then went out. That's good. Good fix. Okay, because the theme of this whole movie yeah. is family. And it's very apparent because they call each other a family. There are a whole bunch of fathers involved. There's a baby involved. There's a lot of mention of family. And you're absolutely right. It would have been great to have shown that the Bellas who are a family to each other are a better group than all of the other bands. Yeah, that's a great fix. That's a good fix. Do you have one, Lady One? As far as the competition that they were in, it's just a pretty small group of performers in this competition that DJ Khaled is choosing from. The way they start getting into the competition is after the Barton Bellas have their performance and the old Bellas are sad about it, they're just kind of commiserating at the bar and Aubrey mentions that she could get them on the USO tour and they can be on the competition. And then it just so happens to work out that they can lose one of their current members and add Emily. And I think it would have been better if they didn't add Emily and if they were just like, oh yeah, Bellas, let's do this. And they totally just leave her out because she's not part of the group. She's still in college. And then when they get there, the current Barden Bellas are there being all young and flashy and exciting. And they yeah. could be competing against somebody that actually makes sense as a competition for an acapella group. And also then we get that conflict of like, as the viewer, oh, well, we like Emily. Uh, we like them. We don't necessarily want them to lose because you're only rooting for the Bellas in this competition. There's no yeah. redeeming qualities presented to any of the other groups to where you might want somebody else to win or at least like want them to succeed. You don't want Evermoist to take the whole thing? No, they're not developed characters at all. There's nothing there. But Emily is a whole character we've spent an entire movie with. And if she was there with the new Bellas, that could have been like a realistic way for them to compete and also give some kind of conflict to who you want to win. I kind of liked the fish out of water story of an acapella group with instrument groups, but it would have been definitely compelling to have Emily on the opposite side and to have gotten herself into the the competition also. Or if the whole USO thing was an acapella group, maybe DJ Khaled was looking for that kind of acapella aesthetic for his next single or his next, you know, production endeavor. Yeah, if there was any way we could get the troublemakers back in there, I missed Adam Devine from this movie. Oh, I missed Skylar Aston and Ben Platt. Like those boys were so good in those other movies. I was waiting for Adam Devine's cameo and it never oh, came. Oh, I wish. He's right? so funny. Yeah, I was waiting for his cameo and it never ever came. I know. They they like just write off those boys in one line in the beginning like, oh, it didn't work out with me and Jesse. And yeah, Bumper's real sad that I'm not with him either. And I was like, no, yes. they have to come back. I was sad about that. They just kind of were like, all right. Well, There's no we, boys here. <laughs> how do we get rid of the boy story? Oh, yeah, it didn't work out. It was long distance. Like that. Yeah. that's it. And then it's it's gone. Yeah. Having the male group show up to help push them over the edge would have been a nice twist, right? Yes. Yes. I would have appreciated seeing them again they were really really funny and also it was nice to have in those other movies a mix of performances that you were listening to I mean it's just all girls singing all the time and they did kind of trying to switch it up with the country group and the DJ duo 
but they they only have like one song then that's it and in the previous movies there's a lot with the boys um i kind of missed that to kind of break up what you're listening to and also they're really funny so yeah in this movie we just got basically rebel wilson as our extreme comedy yes she was like turned up to 11 and he was like the counterpart to her extreme comedy i'm gonna go ahead and talk about my first fix my first fix is gonna have to do with the nature of elizabeth banks and john michael higgins they are kind of shoehorned into the story as documentary filmmakers and one of my overarching problems with this movie is that there's a lot of subplots and side characters that are not integrated into the story at all. And it really makes the overall story very weak. I think that they should not have been doing a documentary, but should have been doing a... Docu-series. Right, like a docu-series. Exactly. Very good. An Akka docu-series? Oh, they could have said that. It would have been right. so good. I feel like they should have been doing an Akka docuseries. And mm-hmm. perhaps the impetus yeah. for this whole trip, because they all have jobs. Right. They all have lives. And then they all decide to go do this USO thing. I think maybe this docuseries should have shown their lives and made them feel bad about Ooh. where they were in life and that maybe could have been a stronger impetus for all of the characters to band together and go do this last hurrah uso show thing and then at the end of the film when it's just anna kendrick's character who is the one chosen because there's this scene where they all are like no do it i have this going on in my life do it. I thought that scene would have been stronger if they were actually kind of rebelling against this documentary, this docu-series that is telling them that they're not good enough and them realizing that they are good enough in life. All of these pursuits that they're doing while they're not acapella related are really great pursuits. And I thought that would have been a better way to incorporate Elizabeth Banks and and John. And they also should have used them better. Like they should have been around in more scenes. Like yes, mm. yes, <laughs> they would they would disappear for long stretches. Too long. That's that's definitely one of my fixes. Is I mean, the movie definitely acknowledged, oh, shoot, there's no reason for Gail and John to be here if they're not on stage performing at a competition. That's why Gail and John were always there before. And they are hysterical. Like, to be the comedy relief in a movie that is already a comedy, that's a big job. That is, is easy to fall flat because there are jokes happening everywhere, physical comedy everywhere in these movies. And for them to just sit there and be kind of like, smarmy at a desk and still be really funny was a challenge and they've always done it in the past movies and this one they're not in a competition in the true form of just get up on stage and we'll talk about it so they needed them to be there and they had them filming this and just being kind of awkward and running around and not really knowing what to do and I wish that they had been there for more of the embarrassing moments that happen in the movie when they totally wreck DJ Khaled's suite at the casino I wanted Gail and John to be there filming it like running around trying to catch all the action I wanted them like breaking in backstage like getting the awkward interactions I wish they had been there when they were on um (laughs) I can't remember the name of fat Amy's dad's boat it's really terrible it was some awful name it wasn't fat because that's too on the nose but it was like crazy dingo bitch or something fat Amy was like that's what he used to call my mother yeah so when they're on that yacht i would have loved to see gail and john like all dressed up again i want gail in a gown i want john in a suit and i want like john holding a boom mic trying to record the audio and then crazy things happen here and they should have been filming that stuff too it would have been amazing if during rebel wilson's fight scenes because rebel wilson gets on this boat and starts kicking beating the shit out of Every one of her dad's henchmen. She straight up murders people. It it would have been amazing if the documentary crew (laughs) was in the same rooms in this yacht while she's beating the absolute crap out of people. It it would have been really funny. And it would have and and it would have incorporated them into the story more. Yes, and you know what they could have done? Oh yeah. So she murders people. She makes that boat explode. There are people on it. They are dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And that has all been filmed now. But guess who has $180 million in the Cayman Islands? And guess who's putting the kibosh on this docuseries? Rebel Wilson can just buy the footage. And then that's why it doesn't come out. And then there's no movie that they've made at the end. She's just like, I'll be taking that. And then it's done. You wrap up that little loose end. Excellent. That was an awesome wrap up to, to my fix. That's awesome. All right, let's go ahead. Do we have another fix? Let's go ahead and start back again. I really liked Anna Kendrick in this film. I felt like we, we had enough uh, scenes where she was developing as like the lead. And so I really liked like her turtle comments and like the deflection of comments that she has against the guy. <laughs> commenting that she's hiding behind the bushes and she's, she's very like funny great, like, in this movie you know response or no no that didn't happen a, a jedi-esque way of talking to him it's, <laughs> yeah by the way i yeah. think i laughed <laughs> 10 times and i think you guys also laughed 10 times and you're just hiding it no i really tried to pay attention i did because i was like i gotta see how many times i actually laugh out loud and i'm only counting out loud because if i just went hmm, that doesn't count counts for me a lady one do you have another one yes I have a big one. Okay. I want to recast. Huge. I want to recast Rebel Wilson's father. Whoa. Wait. Who was played by the legendary John Lithgow? Yeah. He's a wonderful actor who can't do an Australian accent for shit. It was amazing. It was terrible. Amazing. Oh. (laughs) Crikey. I would have preferred if Paul Hogan was her dad. What? Okay. I mean, listen, that might have been the better way to do uh, like an Aussie. Oh, my God. That would have been the most amazing thing ever. I'm just saying. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, I did enjoy watching Lithgow do like a karaoke in a bar. In fact, some my notes say Lithgow karaoke exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark. I enjoyed a bit of that absurdity. Lithgow was fine. I like Lithgow because he can turn from happy goof to sinister on a dime. But you know what? Maybe Paul Hogan can too. My other fix has to do with also tying up other plot points that seem to go nowhere. This film had a lot to do with family, as I've touched on before, and a lot to do with 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 fathers there was john lithgow who was rebel wilson's father and then there was also the absentee father so aubrey's father got them into this whole thing and then he doesn't show up to see any of the performances i thought a good way to tie everything in would have been to have had rebel wilson's father who was the criminal have something to do with aubrey's father who was a military high up person obviously high up enough to pull some strings to get the Bellas into this competition. I thought it would have been good at the very end, the climax of this movie, that huge boat scene. I thought maybe Rebel Wilson's criminal father would have had Aubrey's good father kidnapped on this boat. Perhaps even the military love interest of Aubrey. Chloe. Sorry, chloe's love interest uh okay okay chloe and aubrey are they interchangeable in this series they're so different they're so different i don't know i don't know if they are chloe creeps on becca in the shower in the first movie and aubrey vomits everywhere those are two different characters Ew. do you not remember the first one i do (laughs) <laughs> now I wish I didn't. So anyway, I would have liked for the climax of the movie to incorporate different characters because there was the love interest military guy. There was the father who was absent. There's the criminal father. And I would have liked the yacht scene to have pulled all these plot points in instead of leaving them hanging. Because like we said, a lot of the plot points were addressed in the end credits. But that's not the movie. I would have liked the big boat scene to incorporate the evil father of Rebel Wilson, the good father of Aubrey, the military love interest of Chloe, because there was room for all of it. Because he was trying to get Rebel. He kidnapped the Bellas. Maybe the military guy had gotten wise to it, and that's why he was kidnapped. The military father and maybe the military love interest of Chloe had also maybe followed the Bellas and ended up on the boat too. 
But I thought that that could have been a really good scene rather than just a vehicle for Rebel Wilson to kung fu destroy yeah. 20 people, which I liked. I like I liked the fact that she showed up on the boat and James Bond Matrix kung fu 20 people. But I feel like there was room in that scene to tie up a lot of plot points. I would have liked better if the military guys held, uh, they freed Aubrey's father, and Rebel Wilson would have had her showdown with that one guy that was like, I will never forget the girl that gave me this. (laughs) That Scar, the former babysitter, was amazing. I would have loved the fight between her and her her former babysitter, but I would have loved if other characters were involved in the taking of that ship. Yeah, they they should at least tie that up, so I agree. Yeah, I thought that was a great place to combine all of the plot points instead of just shoving them all into the end credits. I thought that there was room enough in that scene to incorporate all of these plot points. Does anyone else have any final thoughts on Pitch Perfect 3? After they have all the uh, scenes during the end credits where they wrap up everything that's happening, then after that they go into sort of just like general like silliness and outtakes from all of the past movies. It's all like in black and white and it's like, oh, remember all these times? And it just made me miss those other two movies that were just so much lighter. Like they were just hopping along faster. They were funnier. They were goofier. And I think the songs were better. So by the end of it, I was just like, oh man, I want to go watch the other ones now. And I don't think I'll ever revisit this one, but those other two I'll watch anytime. They're just, they're just fun. Like it's a good time. Yeah, it's true. I didn't mind this movie. It's not my type of movie, so I might not ever watch it again. But if if it came on, you know, cable, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be for reals with y'all. I believe that this has been our fix of Pitch Perfect 3. Mm-hmm. Look for us soon. We'll be fixing another film. That's what we do here. We don't just bitch. We fix. <laughs> do you have a final thought, Mustachio? <laughs> if you don't, it's all good. Do you have a final thought, Lady Wan? To qualify that I do actually like all of this music, anyway even though i didn't really enjoy the movie if you want more songs that sound like the pitch perfect soundtrack you should listen to the cocktails they do like covers of uh songs that are on the radio now and they're really good they're on spotify that's awesome because yeah we really should talk about cover groups which is awesome uh what was yours again the cocktails Specifically, the their album On the Rocks is the one that I really listen to a lot. That's awesome. I I like another group that's covers. They're called Scott Bradley's Postmodern Songbook. Ooh. And they are also outstanding. And they will sing covers, loungy covers of Ooh. popular songs. And you will love them. Do you have a favorite cover band, Mustachio? Um, no, I don't. I don't know if I have a favorite cover band, but I, I like those uh, suggestions. I, w- I want to listen to those. I got a question for you guys. Like, if y'all were in an acapella group, like, what position or what what portion of the like you know group would y'all be singing? Oh, I'd be uh, what's the? I'm not deep, but I'm not high. So what is that? The tenor? I think so. I, I'm a total tenor. I, I, see, I think I would just be like the the rhythm sections, like ooh wah ooh wah ooh, yeah. I, in a barbershop quartet, I would be the guy that rounds it out. Like you would be that one. <laughs> what? What would you be, Lady One? I, right, Lady One. Uh, what are you? You're you're such an alto. Oh man. You blow this podcast out on the top. <laughs> you blow the lid off this podcast. My bad. Anytime my ears have ever bled, it has been Lady One. Oh, you're welcome. so anyway that has been screen fix lady one bring us home where can they find us um you can listen to screen fix on spotify stitcher apple podcast app what google play is that what the kids use now yeah you should also be hanging out with us on facebook um you can find us just search for screen fix pod uh, we're on Twitter at ScreenFixPod, so hit us up with your questions or comments or anything there. And guess what? Now we're on Instagram because I don't have enough social media in my life. 
<laughs> so yeah come follow us there screen fix pod again is the name and um yeah we're gonna be posting we'll have the link to the episodes in there and we'll be posting other like fun little pictures of things we're talking about online so come uh, awesome. follow along we also have a patreon account where you can donate to the show donate to us to help us keep the show going it does cost money to produce the show we also have dreams of opening a one screen theater that can be the home of podcasting and film festivals and everything else because we love film that's why we do this and i think that is all send us home mustachio give us an impression can you please review us if you can rate review subscribe that would be good that would be grand please just do it and do it now